Hey everyone, my name is Dave Nixon and welcome to another episode of the Peak and Flow podcast. Today, I'm going to go into a little bit of depth, just a little bit, around our nervous system and more speaking to uh, Dr. Stephen Porges' work around polyvagal theory, but I'm not really going to go into the ventus vagal nerve and, and, and all that sort of stuff. I'm keeping it on the one-on-one side, the face value, and I'm also going to talk to why it's important when we look at our nervous system that we also start to get a really clear indication of uh, an understanding of how we make meaning because how we make meaning plays an exceptionally large role in how we're showing up based upon the areas of our nervous system. And hopefully that makes a lot more sense towards the end of this podcast than it does at the start, but they both have a very important role to play. And so when we look at our nervous system, there's uh, parasympathetic and sympathetic components to our nervous system. Sympathetic is commonly known as fight or flight. Parasympathetic is normally known as rest and digest, or uh, in the models that was introduced to me via Julian Pernau and Richard Aceves when they were part of StrongFit, but also Magdalena Weinstein, we started to see, and they use it for very different reasons, but they started to see that there was flow, fight, flight, and freeze. You could imagine it in, in that sort of what they called, or at least uh, Julian called the uh, phylogenetic hierarchy of the nervous system. Now, what's really important here and, and what Paul just calls the flow space and the parasympathetic space is actually the social engagement space. When we feel safe, then we feel comfortable, relaxed to socially engage. When we're constantly stressed, then you could imagine rest and digest. If we're constantly stressed, then we will not be in rest and digest. And that's where we're starting to get a lot of other issues from, you know, could be pointing to things like IBS, among many other things. So this is why the way that we make meaning and an understanding ourselves and learning to be present can help all those other areas because we're allowing ourselves, our physical body to go into a deeper relaxed state when we sleep. As an example, if we understand our meaning making and why we might be stuck in the future and worried about the future, which is keeping us more like literally sympathetic to some degree, as opposed to being in this space where we can actually relax and rest and digest and, and let our body recover. Super interesting stuff. But let's take it for face value. So we have flow, social engagement space, which is a parasympathetic space. We then have fight and flight. Now, fight and flight are actually oversimplistic because we lean into that sympathetic part of our nervous system, not just when we're fighting something or flighting something, it's when we're moving in general. So you've got, if you could imagine movement approaching or movement avoiding, and that's commonly what's seen as movement approaching is a fight space. Movement avoiding is the flight space is running away. Now, in sharing that, there's being able to move, but, but still be socially engaged. And this is commonly known as play. If we're moving in play wrestling, example, play fighting, we see it in other animals, we're able to utilize our sympathetic nervous system while still being able to utilize the qualities of our parasympathetic nervous system. What changes there is when we make different meaning about that or the stakes change, which has a massive role to play on how we make meaning. And so the higher the stakes, uh, an example here could be playing pool. You're playing pool with your friends and there's a bit of competition, but it's mostly playful. As soon as somebody slaps a $100 bill down and goes, the winner takes $100, right? All of a sudden, there is more to lose. There's more at stake. And the person, if they start to play different, it is the same game. But to them, in mind, the stakes are different. And so they might lean more based on their thinking, based on focusing on what they might lose 
they might lean more into sympathetic space and start to be concerned, start to be more in the head, start to perform poorer than they did previously when it was just a game. The person that's able to be like, sure, winner takes that. I'm either going to win or lose, but I'm going to do what I can every single ball and play my best shot, stay in the moment, stay present and stay focused on what I'm doing. That focus play at the, that sort of balance awareness of sympathetic and parasympathetic is fundamentally where we perform the best. And so that's really a state of flow if we're thinking about it. Um, but I end up calling that focus play because what I'm putting there is the person is focused, yet they're still engaged in the play component of it. Uh What's his name? Huberman Lab. His name's not Huberman Lab. Andrew Huberman did a good podcast on play. If you go like YouTube it, uh, Andrew Huberman play something along those lines. He did a great one on how the actual importance of playing within uh, allowing our brain to stay youthful and young is so important. And one of the reasons for it is because we need to be playing a game that could have multiple potential outcomes. If we're playing a game where we know the outcome, then we won't have the same response within our brain. If we're playing a game that we have to be engaged with and it might have multiple potential outcomes, then this is where we're able to actually keep our brain engaged and keep our brain youthful. Really interesting stuff. So let's go back to this sort of sympathetic fight or flight. Now in the fight space, we start to see anger, rage, things of that nature. In the flight space, we start to see anxiousness, panic, like, you know, quite rapid self-talk. Uh, and then when we go all the way to freeze, this is actually commonly where we see depression, deep rest, funnily enough. Depression, we start to see sadness, we start to see, uh, well, f- also sleep, if you could figure that out. We're not socially engaged when we sleep. We're actually in rest, funnily enough, right? So the really important thing amongst all of this is to understand that there are no bad parts to our nervous system. Anxiousness is a really healthy function of our nervous system. It gets a significantly bad rap, but it's a really healthy part of our nervous system. So the question that's worth considering though is that is my anxiousness that I'm experiencing right now, is it contextually appropriate? And so if you were on holiday in Barcelona, unless you live in Barcelona, maybe you're on holiday somewhere else, and you just had some dinner with friends and you're walking home and it's 1am and the GPS in your hand says that there's actually a shortcut down this dark alleyway to your hotel. And you're like, mm, I don't know about that. There's this anxious feeling about going down this dark alley. That's a healthy response. That is, that is, if we did not have that response as a human being, then it's like, oh, cool. Maybe I'll go down there and make some friends. I'll just socially engage with the guy with the shank. Like it's, (laughs) Shiv, it's this understanding that there are no bad parts of our nervous system. What's the thinking? What's the meaning making structures that we're bringing to this that's allowing us to show up in a way that's not resourceful for the outcome that we actually really want consciously. So this is why when we look at the human as a whole, we need to be able to go, how am I how am I showing up with how I'm actually viewing the world, the the patterns of thinking, the value that I hold, the meaning making that I'm that I'm creating? What how how aware am I of that? And then also, how am I showing up physically? Because if somebody has for majority of their life been future orientated, worst case scenario orientated, I'm saying this in general terms, but bear with me. Now, that might be global in nature, so you'll hear things such as everything's fucked all the time, this always happens to me, I'm always worried about the future, things like that. 
So there's an example of future worst case general, right? And maybe they run a real high first person perspective. Hypothetically, let's say that person runs that and they're constantly anxious about the future and this thinking is playing a significant role in that. But not just that, it's the identification with the thinking and the value behind the thinking. There's a value there for some reason and it's possibly on behalf of safety, but the difficulty is is they constantly feel unsafe and part of that could have been because of how they grew up. If they grew up in a way where that was normal, that was familiar, if they do not feel like that, they're concerned of where the unsafety will be so they start to look for it to create it and they do this by being anxious constantly. Now, that person will have a completely different breathing pattern. They'll breathe higher, right? They'll have way more tension up through their upper traps and they're going to be completely different with how they're scanning environments compared to the person that is way more present, way more uh, balanced with, you know, seeing optim- optimism or um, an optimistic approach, best case scenario compared to pessimistic approach, worst case scenario, now both are useful, but having flexibility with that and is also more aware of when they are global compared to being detailed language. Now, if they're able to actually have balance with that, that person is likely to breathe deeper. If somebody for 35 years breathes significantly higher, constantly looking for threats, they will have a stronger association to the anxious part of their nervous system or the part of their nervous system that you know perpetrates anxiousness compared to the person that's able to breathe deeper into their body, be a bit slower, think quickly, but make decisions, think slowly, but make decisions quickly. Being in that space, that person is going to breathe differently as well. So we start to see these different somatic signatures that we can map out with the way that we make meaning and also the way that we show up and back either way. So this is why it's so important to understand what are the th- what's, what's the thinking, the meaning that I'm making and how am I physically showing up? How, am I neurally aware and do I know how to regulate my nervous system, not just on my breath, but also with how I'm thinking and making meaning as well? And this is a difficulty is that people might feel hyper aroused in the sense of not like that in a different way, in the sense of going, I'm really worried about this. And so they go, oh, I'll just calm myself down with the breathing. That's fine. But all you're doing is addressing the symptom. You're not dealing with the problem. One of the main problems people like problematic approaches people use breath work for is to actually, they change their state rather than using breath work to understand their state. We don't use breath work to change our state because all we're doing is create like dealing with the symptom. We use breath work to understand our state and cold exposure is exactly the same. It's just a mirror. It's showing you what's going on for you and maybe what you should be dealing with if you want to show up in a significantly calmer, more, well, really powerful way. And on that team, I'm done. Thank you very much for tuning in and thank you very much for putting up with my, my hay fevery nasally, uh, voice. I do apologize, but alas, this is life right now. On top of that, if you have any uh, questions, you I mean, I never say that, but if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. I'd love to hear from you. But if you have any questions around our retreats, our training programs, please reach out. Uh, you can find out more about the retreats that we have coming up, the training programs we have coming up in our show notes. Uh, I'll aim to also make sure that these links around the work that I put are in the Facebook group, you know, the Peak and Flow community. Uh, otherwise, that's me done. I'm out. I need to stop breathing through my mouth with my blocked nose. I do apologize. I'll see you guys soon.